Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are live with the Word on Wednesday. And tonight we will dive right into Galatians chapter 3. Um, we, one of the things that we want to do is we want to make sure that we maintain our perspective on this letter because as we break it down into parts, sometimes we, we, we get so focused on the small pieces there that we lose the big picture. So after prayer, I'm going to put it back into the big picture and then jump right down into chapter 3, if you don't mind tonight. But before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. God, we come to bless you, we come to praise you, we come to thank you and give you glory. God, we thank you for your word tonight, for your word is life. Your word is light. Your word helps us to walk through this evil and this dark world. So we bless you for your word. Now, Father, we ask tonight that you would take control of this Bible study, that you would be our teacher. God, that's what you promised us. You said that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. And in this world that's filled with lies and deception, we want the truth. We want to know how to please you. We want to know how to live up right before you. We want to know, God, how to, to, to just display you before other people. So help us, oh God. Help us to learn to be good stewards. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want you to see, first of all, and I want to draw your attention back to is what Paul is doing and why he's doing it. Remember, he's writing this letter to the Galatians, to the church at Galatia, because someone has, some people have infiltrated uh, the church and they are trying to tie them back down into a doctrine of um, faith plus works. Uh, that's a simple way to put it. They're basically saying that salvation is dependent upon not just Jesus, but them obeying the law code of the Jews. And so they're saying, look, you got to uh, obey the law. You've got to be circumcised. There's a lot of things that you've got to do to learn. You remember I told you that the Jews had 613 laws. And so Paul is saying, no. Salvation, and hear me well, 
Your salvation is dependent upon your faith in Jesus Christ, period. That's what Paul is saying. And so in last week we talked about justification, how it was accomplished, and it was accomplished through faith. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were justified. And what does justified mean? Justified does not mean that uh, God says, okay, you're not guilty. No, justified means that we were guilty, but God acquitted us. God acquitted us, meaning that we were guilty, but God said, yep, but because of what Jesus did, I declare you righteous. I declare your sin penalty as being satisfied by the death of Jesus Christ. And we, last week we used that word propitiation, and propitiation is just a fancy word that means that which satisfies a God. Okay? So now we're going to pick up tonight, and we'll pick up his argument. And Paul is arguing vociferously tonight. Um, so without any further ado, get to Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to pick up at, we're going to start at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. And again, I'm in the NIV. Um, a quick story. I did all my work and took all my notes in English Standard Version like I normally do. And then had to go back and translate them all back to the NIV. Just shows you that, you know, hey, this NIV thing... That's sacrificial for me. But anyway, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Now, I want to show you what he's doing here. The first thing that you're going to see is he charges right in in this chapter, and he begins to ask them a series of questions that will set up his responses to these questions. So it's kind of he's going to ask questions, and then he's going to answer them. So what are the questions? Well, look, look, back, at, look back at the verses that I just read. The first question he says is, who has bewitched you? Or who has hoodwinked you? Second question. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? That's a key. Did you receive the promised Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Third question he asks is, are you foolish? In other words, are y'all fools or what? Fourth question, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish 
by means of the flesh? Fifth question, have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? And then the final question, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Did you hear that question? He asked the same question twice, which tells us this is the question that he's going to answer in the uh, verses that follow. So what's the key question? Because, you know, we can, we can see that he's exasperated in some of these questions when you look, who has bewitched you? Bewitched you? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? These are all emotions. But the key question that he asked is, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? That's the key question that we need to explore tonight. Do you receive from God by works of the law or what the law could do for you? Or do you receive God's spirit by faith? Now, why is it so important that we, that we, that, that we answer that question? Because everything concerning the Spirit of God is tied to the promise of God. And so what he's going to do now that he has established the question is he now is going to offer a proof that it is by faith, by believing, that we receive the promise of God. Do you see that? So now, I know that this is rather um, antiseptic, but what we want to be able to do is Paul advances some, when, when we're reading Paul, sometimes we can get really confused because his sentences are so complex that we start out reading and we catch one idea, and then he'll interject this and interject that and interject the other, and the next thing you know, we are confused. And so what we want to do is we want to boil this down to a point where it's really understandable and we can really see what he's saying. So let's pick back up. So now we know the question that, that he's asking. He's asking, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, verse 6, uh, chapter 3, verse 6 is where we are now. He says, here's his proof. Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify, count as righteous, would justify, the Gentiles by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, 
Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, so he's going to, now he's going to make his argument. And his argument is this, Abraham, by faith, believed God, and because he believed, God credited to him as righteousness. In the King James Version, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Now, what does, that gets into uh, a theological um, uh, um term called imputed versus imparted righteousness. And what it means is that what God does when you believe is he places in your account. Pretend you got a bank account and you didn't put any money in it. But because you believe God was going to put some money in your account, that God put the money in the account. Now, you haven't worked for it. All you did was believe. And you show up at your bank. And sure enough, here's a couple of hundred dollars, a couple of thousand dollars, a couple of million dollars placed into your account by God. Well, our righteousness that we receive is not based upon us obeying the law, but instead it's based upon what God gives us through Jesus Christ. He imputes righteousness to us. Now, when it comes to the term of uh, imparted righteousness, imparted righteousness takes place through um, our walk as uh, walk with God as He makes us holy. So, it's now imparted righteousness is the stripping away and conforming us being conformed into the very image of God. So again, it's uh, Jack Cottrell calls it the double cure. And basically, on the one hand, we've got the righteousness that satisfied God that says, you can come into my presence. And then on the other hand, we have the righteousness that, or excuse me, the first is the imputed righteousness. The second one is the imparted righteousness that he imparts to us that, that, will, that will conform us into his image. Okay? So it says... Abraham believed God's statement, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then the next thing he says is this. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Mm -hmm. So if you are a child of faith, you are a child, you are a child of Abraham, okay? You are a child of faith. 
and you receive righteousness just as Abraham received righteousness. You believe, and it is counted unto you as righteousness. He imputes, he puts it into your account because of your belief that you are righteous. And he further goes on to say, so all who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So just as Abraham received God's blessings by faith, we too receive God's blessing by faith in him. And when I, when I say faith now, I don't mean belief. I mean faith. Faith is an action. Faith is believing and acting upon what you believe. You see, what what does James say? Faith without works is dead. If you have faith and you don't do what God says do, then you just believe in. And anybody can believe. But a, a person of faith is one who has acted upon what they believe. So it's an action. It is an action based on what you believe. Amen? So now. I want you to see the repetition of a word through 9, verses 9, 10, and 11, okay? I'm going to reread verses 9, 10, and 11 real quick because there's a, there's, a, there's a word that's going to help us, that's going to help us understand what he's saying here. Uh, verse 9. I'm going back to verse 9 again. If I can find it. Oh, here. Let me go back to seven. Understand then that all those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Now watch this. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The point that I'm trying to make here is that there's a repeat, they keep repeating the word rely. Rely. To rely on something is to rest on something. So those of us, in verse 9, who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. Those who rely on the law are under a curse. Those who rely on the law are under a curse. Let's talk about what that word curse means. Curse, the word curse means, being under a curse means the rejection and surrender to punishment and destruction that is caused by judgment. Put it in a nutshell. Because a person relies for his salvation on the law, that person has rejected 
rejected Jesus Christ, he rejects the way of God, and he then says, I'm going to rely on me obeying the law for my salvation, and that person is cursed. He is doomed. He, is, he has surrendered to punishment and destruction because of God's judgment. And what is God's judgment? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And since you have rejected, since you rely on your obedience to the law, God already spells it out. You owe me. What do you owe me? You owe me your life. Because what does it say? The wages of sin is death. So you got to die. You are destined for destruction. Destined for hell. What does it mean? Uh, what does it mean to be uh, cur uh, That's cursed. But uh, what does it mean to be cursed? To be cursed means to be doomed or destined for punishment. Doomed or destined for punishment. So, if you notice when I was advertising this Bible study, I said, "How you living?" And so the question that I'll ask you tonight, and when I got. I got time to. Good. The question that I'll ask you tonight is, are you living under the curse or are you living in the blessing? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is your trust in his works? And have you received the righteousness of God by faith because God put it in your account? Because of your belief, are you walking in the blessings of Abraham? Are you being blessed along with Abraham because Abraham believed God? Did you believe God and have God counted to you as righteousness? Or are you trying to conform and obey the law? Only, that's the only question that... The only person that could answer that is you. Because verse 11 says, Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the just shall live by faith. Let me take that, 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 that apart real quick. The just, those who have been made righteous, those who have um, righteousness imputed to them, placed in their account, the just shall live. Now, let's talk about this shall live. Shall make decisions. Shall make life decisions. Shall walk, behave by faith. By faith. By what faith? By faith in Jesus Christ. They become followers of the law of Christ. So their behavior is dictated by their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They trust him. You hear me? They trust him and his word, and their behavior is based upon doing it 
as he says do it. Whoa. So that doesn't, I know sometimes people say the just shall live by faith, and they never think about the implications of what he just said. Our lifestyles, our faith lifestyles, are based upon living a life based upon how he told us to live. Thou, what do you say? Remember Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5, he teaches us about kingdom principles, how the expectations of what, what, we, what we need to do to be pleasing, to live as if we are not of this world, but of the kingdom of God. And I don't have time tonight to go into that, but look at Matthew chapter 5 where it says, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are, you know, all the, the, the blessed, all of those. Look at those because it tells us how we are to walk upright before God if we are, have been justified and are living by faith. That makes a that's gonna that's gonna throw a whole different a whole different me uh, as I say give you a whole different perspective on how you live in your life. Okay, it says um, Christ redeemed us. Here's another statement that he makes: Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Remember the question that he asked: How? Did you get the Spirit? How did you receive the Spirit? You received the Spirit of God by being redeemed from the curse, and God thereby could deliver his Holy Spirit that he promised to you, ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this Spirit that he gives us is his enabling power that enables us to live and walk upright before God. His enabling spirit allows us to say no to sin and yes to God. And God has promised us through, he says, um, uh, I think it's Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon them. Their old men shall dream dreams, and uh, the young will prophesy. I think it's Joel chapter 2 or something like that. This is God's promise that he promised way back, even before Joel, that he would give us a new heart and a new spirit, and he would write his laws upon our heart. This is what's being fulfilled through the agency, through what Jesus Christ did by positioning us to receive the promise. Some of us think that, you know, the, all God's promises are, are all material. There's some material that goes with the promise. But his promises are, begin with the spirit. You can have all the material you want and still not live a good life. You can win a lot on tomorrow, and you, be, you was a poor dog before, now you're a rich dog, but you're still a dog. You're still not right with God. And forgive me for using that word, because somebody else used that word, and I don't like that word no more. Anyway, now, here's, a, here's the implication. Those who trust the law to bring about salvation 
are designated for destruction. Those who trust in God's plan and accept Jesus Christ are the children of Abraham and receive the promised blessing, specifically the Holy Spirit. Now, do I have time? I don't. I don't. I wanted to go into the law versus the promise tonight. And I'm up on my hour, and I'm, I'm trying to, to be obedient to time and make sure that, you know, we, we stay within the half hour that I promised. So I want, to cut, I want to cut off right here. We'll pick up here next week because if I go into the, this, the law versus the promise, I can tell you right now, that's easily another 15, 20 minutes. And I don't want to do that, but instead I want to leave you tonight with this. Salvation, receiving Jesus Christ, places us in the position of receiving the blessings just as Abraham gave them. Why is this important? Well, Sometimes we, 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 we'll sing that song, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field, we're blessed as we come and we go, and we'll associate that often just with material blessings. But do you know that peace is a blessing, that joy is a blessing, that health is a blessing, that being able to multiply what God has given you is a blessing he gives you all of this. He gives all of us some kind of talent, and, and, he, and he's commanded us to be fruitful and multiply. And God places us in the position to do what he originally intended us to do, and that is, one, to have fellowship with him because we've been justified we have peace with God. We can come into the presence of God and fellowship with him. And two, we can be obedient by multiplying and replenishing the earth of all of the things that he's, told, that he's given us to do. You get that? So now that you know about your salvation, now that you know that you've been made righteous by Jesus Christ and you don't have to have your ears tickled by all of the garbage that, that people are, are, are trying to come along and, and all of this stuff that they're trying to, these yokes they're trying to put around your neck about your salvation, now that you're free from all of that, you have a choice as to whether you'll go back in bondage or whether you'll walk free, whether you'll stay free because you know, you know how you got your salvation, you know how you got saved, and you know that God gave it to you and he ain't no Indian giver. And then you are free to learn how to walk upright before him. Now, the final point that I want to make is this. Don't throw away that law. Don't think that, you know, that, um, how should I put it, that the law and the commandments, are irrelevant today. Not true at all. And that's what I'll get into next week, the relevance of the law, the purpose of the law. Amen? Let's, let's have a word of prayer. We thank you, God. We praise you that we know 
that we are saved because we believe that Jesus is your son, that he died for our sins, that on the third day he rose, and he said, whosoever will, let him come. He said, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and that he would give us rest. And so, Father, we place our trust. We place our trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died for us, who became a curse for us, who satisfies you because it pleased you to bruise him, who offered himself up for us, that we might have a right to the tree of life. Oh, God, we praise you tonight for that. We praise you that in our account is a righteousness, not that we have made ourselves, but your righteousness that you have imputed unto us. We thank you tonight for salvation. We thank you tonight that we can walk free of bondage, of rules and regulations passed on by man. We thank you that we can enjoy you. We thank you that you call us your children right alongside Abraham and that we are blessed right with him. God, how we praise you and how we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Are there any questions? Are there any questions? Again, again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, if you are on the Blog Talk Radio, 929-477-2304, 929-477-2304. And if you're on Facebook Live, you can look, I mean, you could just type it in real quick, and I will, you know, I'll answer to the best of my abilities. Well, I sure thought that we were going to get through the last part of chapter three tonight, but we didn't. And I'm, it's so important that we unbundle, that we unbundle what Paul is saying, because you know when you begin to, when you read Paul, like I say, sometimes he's thick, his writing is thick. And now when you go back and you read Galatians, or even when you read in Romans, which is really, really a wonderful argument you'll be able to just say, okay, so why is he saying, why is he writing this? And then what is he saying behind writing this? And you're able to throw out, and when I say throw out, I mean just move to the side. All of the, I'm going to call them the adjectives and uh, clauses that are not, um, that, that are not the meat of the passage. And you're able to get right to the meat right to the meat, right to the heart of his argument, so then you can reduce it down to one or two lines and say, okay, so here's what he's asking, and here's how he answers it. That's what I'm trying to you know, get you to do in your own personal studies by showing you uh, literally, literally how I will break a passage down, down to the question, down to the meaning of the word, and then sit back and meditate over it. Amen? Okay, so there's no questions tonight. We will see you next week on the Word on Wednesday, um, and we will take up the matter of the promise.
versus the law. Amen? And what we'll be dealing with then, and I got got the notes already, is what is the purpose of the law? How do we treat them commandments then? Okay, that's it for tonight. Uh, This has been Pastor Winfred Burns, and you have been live with the Word on Wednesday. God bless you all.